Hang on, let me get my guitar. Hang on. Oh. Oh. It's the sound of a middle-aged man getting up from a seat ah. and getting back into a seat. Oh, hello. Are you there? Hello? I am. I am trying to, as we say, I don't like to say this, but I'm trying to make myself play guitar more because I don't do it mm-hmm. enough. Let's see. It's not the years, Merlin. It's the hours. I can't find a pick. Did you steal my picks? Did not. Should always be one. You stick it between the strings up at the top fret. No, that stretches your strings. Yeah, but you don't oh, here care. We go. I, I care. I don't like changing strings. I only change them like once a year whether they need it or not. One reason I love that is there's so many different ways you can play that. So I'm doing the G and then I'm doing the yeah, I can, I can hear the slight differences. I'm saying this yeah, isn't the yeah, way yeah. it was on the album. See, that's my favorite chord. The walk down, classic like gardening at night. And then see if you wanna if you wanna get some real indie rock cred, you would do it like this. that cred oh you could also do like a mirror simpleton kind of thing you gotta press harder you press harder you're muting those notes this is a nice guitar got a bird on it (laughs) can you do sad trombone on a guitar Sure, I can. <laughs> Somebody can. It's just uh, five chromatic uh, steps down. Mm-hmm. Right. Not to be confused with the Elvis Costello uh, song, 13 Steps Lead Down. 13 Steps Lead Down. I, I go through a music thing sometimes, John. I get excited about music. Did, 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 did you like that? Do you want a, an official live rendition of, of the theme, or you think that's enough? I think we already got it. I mean, it's always not. It's never the same as the album version. Oh, we can use the, that. That wasn't, that wasn't the pre-flight. Are you telling me that's not the pre-flight? No, this this is all real show. Will you let Jim and by extension me know when the pre-flight was over? It was over when you said, uh, I'm going to stop the recording. Oh, okay. I am recording now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm very excited about this kind of reverse annulment idea. The idea of, of uh, I'm interested in the idea of annulments for lots of things, but especially for John to be able to... <sighs> Roderick to be retroactively married to people, but yeah. I think I you think, should I think consider you hit it. The, the nail on the head in that show, and that uh, any kind of marriage, including a retroactive tenant style backwards in time one, needs mm-hmm. the consent of both parties. Are you which sure? I don't about feel that? like he has. It's a it's a two party consent state. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think every yeah in general marriage two party consent. Can you get it verbally? Like the way you agreed to like yeah, no, release I'm, the pre-flight? I'm not saying how it has to be gotten, but I think I can't, okay. can't unilaterally backwards in time marry somebody. Especially if he's gonna like um, reap the benefits there on too. You know what I would have said? You know, so this is this is the 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 privilege of uh, doing yeah. a podcast with someone who I does know. podcasts that you Let's listen to. to right? Yeah. Uh, it, you know, well, not, it's not quite the same thing because I wasn't on the podcast, not being able to talk. I was listening to the podcast, like like lots of people do. When you listen to a podcast, you're like, here's what I would say if I was in the conversation. But you're not. You're just listening. And it was just John and Merlin in the conversation. Take take it to Captain Marm. I was listening to the most recent episode of Rodic on the Line, and he was Mm -hmm. talking about how- With ads. Because- (laughs) 
because yeah, because he had had a bunch of past relationships, but none of them had uh, he hadn't actually married anybody. His Wikipedia yeah. page did not did not list anything about his previous relationships. Whereas if he had married any of his former girlfriends, they would have at least been listed as first wife, second wife, third wife, whatever. They, they would get under the section where you say spouse, right? And he was like, and now that like that that part of my life is unknown because it's not on the Wikipedia page, and my child won't know about these people. They'll find a she'll find a picture of an ex girlfriend, and it will mean nothing to her. And what I was thinking is, why does most people don't have a Wikipedia page at all? Do their lives disappear? Why does whether or not oh, something on, is on Wikipedia mean? Take it away. Just you know, take it, it away. Like, why, why does that? Why is that such a big factor in the in, in your life? He also he has a really to state the obvious. Perhaps he has a seems to have a very nah. One doesn't say exaggerated. A very exaggerated idea of his daughter's interest in his life. I mean, yeah. If it was, but if it was my former wife, she'd be super interested. I mean. Look, you can tell your daughter anything you want, but in general, like for putting the daughter aside, uh, like the parts of your life that you want to share with people and the public shouldn't be up to the stupid editors at Wikipedia who we all hate. Uh, that you can <sighs> you can take control of that narrative yourself. You can choose to share or not share whatever it is you want to share with whomever you want to share it. Especially if you have a big platform like several podcasts, you are yep, not yep, at, yep. at the whim of Wikipedia uh, and their decision about what to mm-hmm. include in the sidebar. Yeah. Too bad he doesn't yeah. listen to the podcast. I feel like this advice would have really helped. Him. I don't know if it's too bad. I, in some ways, I really feel like we're fortunate that he doesn't. Can you imagine the ideas he'd get in his head if he ever I mean, listened to a podcast? Uh, he says he doesn't. We don't, you know. Well, he also for a long time talked about, um, here's the joke, you know, the, the, the Metafilter joke about not owning a TV. Mm-hmm. And he watches right? a lot the, of TV shows, doesn't he? Huh. Well, I think the joke on Metafilter, God, I should find that wonderful Metafilter page of all the in-jokes. We have cameras. Um, but there was the one which was um, is the, the, the became a cliche, which was always a good line. Is this something I would have to own a TV to understand? I think yep. was the phrase. Mm-hmm. And then he cops to watching all of Rome, which kind of blew my gourd a little bit. Well, that was an old show, but he, he watches a lot of TV and uh, movies and absorbs a lot Ari's of pop I think Ari's very media, mm-hmm. plugged into media. And I think as a consequence, why am I talking like Matt Barry all of a sudden? Because <laughs> all I watch is what we do. In Your the cousin, Matthew Barry. Who the heck is Matt Barry? Matthew Barry. Oh, that's funny. I like that. I don't, but I don't know who Matt Barry is. That's funny, Bullseye. Sure you do. He's uh, Stephen Toast in The Toast of London. He's Laszlo in What We Do in the Shadows. He's Squiggleman in uh, Portlandia. Oh, is an actor name? Okay, yeah, I see him now. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I can hear you, Glenn Fandango. Powerful can you hear me, Steve? Can you hear me, Stephen? You should watch What We Do in the Shadows. I think I've seen season one and the movie. Oh, ah, cool. All right. Good enough. All you need is five more seasons. You'll have community. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do, do. Hey, John Syracuse. I was just listening to you in my ear holes talking about uh, MetaBook. Sure. It's good. Yeah. But that's not what we're here for. Is this a segue into yeah. the first follow-up topic? I want to see how you pull this off. Go for it. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, this is uh, John Syracuse's uh, in, uh, show about emotions called Reconcilable Differences, and I'm his little monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I carry I mean, for a monkey. You're you're probably pretty big, right? I'm a good. I'm a big monkey. Mm-hmm. Big strong monkey. Don't punch well, the monkey. You win not, nothing. Not go too far. Well, and uh, is this ordinary time or inordinary time? It's it's inordinary time because today is one of our extra special episodes where members get to hear more. They, said, they said ordinary time. Oh God damn it! I got a bit. Which is they said it on Midnight Mass or whatever that show is called. That's the first time I've ever heard ordinary time used in in the parlance and i learned it from you i learned it from watching you you learned it from a catholic good for you three two hey john what's up with ordinary time 
ordinary time is the phrase we use for episodes where we don't have any extra content but this is an episode where we do have extra content and if you're a rectifs member if you're really fm member you will get that extra content because you'll have a special feed and the episodes in that feed will be longer uh there'll be the regular episode with no commercials which is nice and then there'll be more content after and this is one of those episodes so if you're not a member you should go to relay.fm slash rd and sign up and join and you'll get the extra content hey 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 hang on you slipped in a new url i didn't know about because i don't look at the slack it says here we have a new URL and I looked at it and it's good. You go to relay.fm slash rd slash join. It's longer it, than the other one. And it, yeah, it's it is similar. longer, but that's what she the, it lays out the value proposition. <laughs> it does, yeah, it does explain more about what you get. Yeah. So what, he mentions the wallpapers. Yeah. We should put these, we should really put these are these links in all the show notes? I think they are, right? Let me look. The the relay one is uh the join one is, I believe, always in the uh, p- public main feed and remember we can change the text and everything in the cms yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the website i don't see anyway we, we, we want you to get, we we you get extra URLs. stuff and free can, stuff but we also both. do want your money it helps us a lot it helps us pay for things with money and i am genuinely uh we just got an update on our our member numbers and it makes me really happy that y'all are out there and uh i don't know if you choose to look at it as supporting us i i have chosen to look at it that way but even if you just want some laughs and giggles with you know with uh with, if you're one of the flying monkeys and you just want to give the witch a little bit of a uh, fire scarecrow. <laughs> Thank you for wait, being wait, here. Who's the witch? I lost the, I, I mean, can't tell. I'm so lost right now. You just, yeah. Okay. I spent it all on the pre-flight, John. Oh, that's, that's the, that's hmm. the price of the pre-flight. Sometimes you have to expend some energy there. Yeah. So that's fair. Uh, we do have some follow-up. We do. Uh, last episode. I, I listened back to all these episodes that I'm on as a form of improving myself. That's why hmm. I do it. Because I want it, well, two of three reasons. One, hmm. let's see if I can hear how I did and try to do better next time. And two, uh, reminding myself of what the hell I said, uh, which I don't know if it's a thing of being older. Maybe. But you I you think also I, like to, you like to know whether you goofed and then you try to fix it is the thing you do. But also you do I need to, I need to literally remind myself of what was said, because even though I was there when it happened, like this is a great example of memory. This is the thing. If people don't have podcasts, don't have this experience. Let's say you you're a normal person who doesn't have a podcast and you right. go and hang out with some, a bunch of friends and you have a good time, whatever you're doing, you go bowling, you go over to someone's house for dinner, whatever. All right. And then, you know, a week passes and you recall in your mind, Hey, remember when we went bowling and you think about what happened when you went bowling, you know, this person told this story, this person got a strike. We did a thing like you have your memory of like a, an event that you had. Well, when you do a podcast, you don't just have your memory of you know that time i had uh, a discussion with merlin right you've got an audio recording of it right yeah yeah, and you wouldn't think that may make that much of a difference but the practice of going back and listening to a podcast that you participated in is really illuminating at least for me because if i did like an a b test and say one week don't listen to the previous episode and the next week do listen to the previous episode i can tell you the difference between what you remember and how you remember it from that episode is yeah. huge based on whether or not you listen to the recording of yourself mm-hmm. without yeah. listening to the recording of myself. My memory of what happened in the previous episode is a missing tons and tons of information and b not particularly accurate. I mean, I'm sure all the things about like eyewitnesses and crimes and everything, you already know all this. It's a turns out thing or whatever, but mm-hmm. I find it extremely valuable to listen back just so I know where were we when we last left off. Mm-hmm. But this also came up when we were talking about live streams, if memory serves, last time, where I was saying like how in prep for several of the shows I do, I have this this 
ritual where I look at all of my recent stuff on several different places, including YouTube, including Amazon, including like, I, I don't remember what I'm supposed to remember unless I find a way to remember it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the that's, transcript is nice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would get the same effect from reading it. I've never done that, but I always listen to it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So uh, uh, related to that, the my experience of listening to the last episode was when I heard myself trying to explain the concept of, of security through obscurity, I was disgusted. <laughs> I said, Aww. this is a terrible explanation. I want a second attempt at that. I thought I did a bad job of explaining it. And mostly because like I went into it without any, you know, no, no notes, no preparation, just off the cuff. Oh, I know what security through obscurity is. I've known my whole life. Not really. But, you know, seems like one of those things you've known your whole life. I can explain that off the cuff. But I had never tried to explain that out loud before. And I did a terrible job. Uh, so much so that I'm pretty sure that you still don't know what it is because I did such a bad job explaining it. Yeah. Anything you haven't explained to me is just a blank slate. I know. Well, I you didn't we that, came into that, that and I, I asked you, do you know what security through obscurity for another is? few days? Yeah. And you didn't have like a ready explanation for well, it. Well, neither did you, you piece of crap. I thought I did. That's the thing. I thought I did. Yeah, but who's better back. in that situation? Yeah. And, and this guy? I listened, yeah. Oh, I listened back and I said, you know what? I did a bad job of explaining. But okay, hang on. I'm sorry. I need to interrupt you here because. It's, I, I don't want to go straight to the, like, you know, it when you see it, but I do know what, but looks it's, it's why explaining things to a little kid can be so it's difficult. Security through pornography is a different thing. You, you know, when you see it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not insecure. Um, no, I, I, okay. You know what? Fine. You go. It's no, I, Hey John, what's uh, security through obscurity? I don't know what any of those words well, mean. No, do, do you want to take a crack at it? Security through obscurity. No cheating. No, why would I cheat? If I wanted to sound smart, I'd prepare. <laughs> no, you, you'd pull up Wikipedia right now on your quiet keyboard. Go ahead. Yeah, all right. You, you, no, so. no, it's fine. It's fine. You, you, you win this one. Oh, oh. No, go, go, go. I want to hear you give it a try. And I think, I think you actually said it better than you're giving yourself credit for. You summed it up pretty well by saying, like, this thing is only secure as long as you don't know about it. So, I mean, like, for example, I, a way I've thought about this in the past, and this is not necessarily a great example, but if you're trying to keep something hidden, I think one of the hallmarks of being able to hide something, physical especially, but it works for lots of things, is that you need to think about, if you're trying to hide something physically, it really helps to put it somewhere where it doesn't seem like that thing could fit, okay? This is why when we cat sat a few years ago, we cat sat for a detective Blueberry, our friend Jesse's cat, and we lost Blueberry for a few hours and freaked out. And it was because Blueberry had gotten into a space that I would never in a million years think a cat could fit into which is behind the board games under the credenza in the wire mess. And honestly, like a cat, I mean, you've seen our cat shaved, our RIP, but like a cat can fit into a very small area. The point of hiding something is the best way to hide a physical thing is for it to go somewhere where it doesn't seem like it should be, doesn't seem like it should go, doesn't seem like it should fit, right? To be really secure. Now imagine you say to somebody, okay, here's, here's three boxes. One's just a cardboard Amazon box, another cardboard, and another one has like a giant, like a bike cable and a padlock and all this stuff. Which one has the secure thing in it? And most people will go, well, obviously the one that has the padlock on it. And I, under, you know, I know mind games. But the point is, if you hang a lantern on something as being very secure, people know that's where to go to steal the thing. So I think this is almost a corollary of that, which is so, so security by obscurity is the idea that like if I sort of disguise this people won't know that it's even a place to look for something. And that's how we ended up talking about hiding your key in a frog. Kind of like the, the frog Ugh. key in the frog analogy was, was like 
good and getting me towards something. But like, I think where I, the reason I went off the rails is because uh, security, not through obscurity, like the opposite of it, like the absence of this. Yeah. Also still involves secrets. And so my conversation of saying like, well, mm. security through obscurity is when your entire security hinges on like someone a hash? Not, hinges on someone not knowing something, which is true. But, but like, but it but makes, like well, people say open source is more secure because there's so many eyes on it. We're not trying. There's no magic no, trick that's, that, to this. That's not quite, uh, so I have here's my new way of trying to explain it. Um, and it is it is a it is a better way to do it. But I, I'm trying not to get myself tied up in the, the whole secret thing, because as we all know, like, oh, well, what if I know the password? The password mm -hmm. is a secret. Are you telling me anything with a password or security through obscurity? Because th th if you know the password and you get in, no, that's where the confusion comes. Yes, a password is a secret. And what I said was like, oh, your security intends to pile entirely on someone not knowing something like a secret. That's why it gets confusing. So uh, here is a, a better analogy, which requires you to know a little bit about encryption, but not really. So uh two examples of security one of them uses security through security the other doesn't um one is like so say you have a thing with a password right so we're setting that aside that's not the secret we're talking about there's a password right and in mm -hmm. order to get into it's a computer security thing is, is the secret what's inside the lock thing uh no um so it's like so you've got the password and that has to be a secret that's not security through obscurity it's just there right but in one case, like in all, all these cases, you're going to type the password in and it's going to say it's either going to unlock or it's not right. In one case, you're not allowed to know what's going to happen to the password after you type it in. Right. Like yeah. it's just a black box. You type in the password and it either opens or it doesn't. Right. Mm -hmm. And in the other case, you're allowed to know everything that happens after you type in the password. You can see the source code to what's going to happen after you type in the password. Like just there is no secrets. You're going to say you're going to type in the password and the password is going to be input into this program. And here you can have this program. You can look at the source code. I'm going to give you the program. You can take it home with you. You can do whatever you want with it. Right. The the one where you don't know what's going on inside, that's security through obscurity, because for all you know, that that black box has like a, a string comparison to the correct password inside it or something like that. Right. But in the other one, there's some kind of encryption algorithm that they don't care if you know. This you can know the whole algorithm. You can know exactly what it's going to do with that password. You can know all the math behind it. You can know all the theory behind it. You can have the literal source code to doing it. But like the, the point is, the algorithm is not a secret. The security mm -hmm. model is not a secret. How it works is not a secret. That their security doesn't yeah, depend that's on. That's kind of what I was trying to say with open source. Yeah, but it's not. It's not just the source code. It's like you could set aside the source. It's like it's like mathematically right. speaking you could write it as a series of equations you don't actually have any source code but like once this once the once the code for the dv the css or whatever it's called the when the you know remember the prime number for decoding dvds that would be an example of this done poorly right which is once that number is out yeah. you're done well so it's you still have the other thing is if like if someone knows the password it doesn't matter whether you use security through obscurity or not it's like if you know the password you know the password and i think the problem with css is the dcss thing i'm not sure of the details but the, the main problem with those type of things is every DVD player has to be able to decode it. Therefore, every DVD player already has the the basically quote unquote password <laughs> inside it somewhere. And you it's like give, asking someone you, to turn around while you enter your combination. Like we're going to put it in the DVD player, but right. you're not allowed to see what it is. Yeah, the encryption on DVDs wouldn't be very good if consumers could not decrypt them because then no one could watch. Mm -hmm. you know, it's the whole problem with with DRM. Like, well, I don't want you to see it, but of course you have to see it. Um, and so anyway, that's separate. But anyway, that's that's my better analogy. Is like you know encryption algorithms. No one takes any encryption algorithm seriously unless 
you give them the math that says, here is the algorithm. The, the security lies in how difficult it is for you to figure out the password without having it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the tons of ways that can that's happen. That's not what I think of it being at all. Right, but that's what it actually is. That's security, security through what obscurity. About, okay, what about, what about a, um, what about a, uh, a book safe? Like, and in this case, I mean, not the one that's a dictionary that everybody buys at the container store. The frog key and the book safe are also examples, but I feel like the, the, the encryption one is, is a stronger example because it is, it is not, it doesn't, because like in in some ways you could say the book thing is the password. Like the password is knowing that it's a fake bookcase, right? Whereas real security through obscurity system. Yes, there is a password, but the real, the the difference is that like, we're going to tell you exactly how the machine works when you enter that password. Like we're not hiding anything inside the box. We'll give you the box. We'll give you the math behind the box. We'll tell you everything about it. You can have the box. That's not where security lies. The security lies in the very difficult task of finding prime factors to large numbers or whatever, whatever the mathematical concept might be. We'll even tell you that's what it's based on. It's based on the difficulty of doing this in math. And so if you can figure out a way to do this easily in math, you can break all the encryption. Like there are no secrets. Hmm. It's just plain hard to do. So it's almost like the way Penn and Teller, um, I mean, to to put it as simply as they explain the magic trick and then do it is a little bit, you know, not accurate. But the way that the part of their bit that made them so entertaining, uh, first ones I knew of to do this, them and, you know, maybe the amazing Jonathan or whatever. But the people who would come out and say, like, I'm going to explain this trick and then I'm going to do it to you and you're still not going to understand what I did. Right. But they always have an extra trick. It's more like the uh, what's Don't his name? Don't look up the bullet trick. It's very disappointing. Yeah. What's, what's the what's the dude who died recently? Um, the slide hand guy, Ricky Ricky Jay, right? Oh yeah, Ricky Jay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, his he's he has a good example of security through obscurity. Is because those really good sleight of hand people will explain to you. Here's how you do this. Uh, here's how you like deal from the bottom, or you know, yeah. pull a card out of the middle, and they will explain to you in slow motion, laborious detail, exactly how they do it. And then they'll do it for you and you still can't believe it. It's like you they're still not doing anything different yeah. than what they said. It's just, you know, it's the, the entry of the vampire. I, you know, how did you turn on the light so fast? I did the same way you did a series of moves. I walk across the room and turn on the light. I just did it so fast that you couldn't see it. And that's mm-hmm. the impressive part. It's not how did you do that? It's like the fact that you did do that or that you could do that. Anyway, we're getting off track. I'd, that's my no, second I, attempt. I, I, if I, well, if I screwed I'm gonna it up. I'm going to think on it. I'm going to think on it yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, and now I'm going to cheat and look up Wikipedia. And the, the okay, part that good. I think is the most salient is. System security should not depend on the secrecy of implementation or its components. That's basically, you know, what it comes down to. Uh, it doesn't, you can't, keeping the implementation secret or how it's done, that can't be the, that shouldn't be the foundation of your secrecy. What would you call the thing I'm talking about? I mean, the thing I'm talking about is a, is a thing. It, it's, it's basically, you're mostly right. Like, oh, well, I, I hid it behind a secret bookshelf. It looks like a bookshelf, but well, it's like really In insane. the Indiana Jones warehouse, one of these boxes has something incredibly valuable in it they're all otherwise indistinguishable mm-hmm. like but as it once you know which one that is well then there's it's not difficult right to the, like do the, what you the, need to do the difficulty of that is like there is no part of it where you're you're being you can be open with how it's implemented because you could tell like if you told somebody look uh, the ark is in this warehouse and the the warehouse is filled with boxes and they all look pretty much the same that's the foundation of our security mm-hmm. like that's true, but also kind of obvious, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you simply didn't sell them, tell them that the Ark was in that warehouse, like then that just becomes like the password. Like if I knew what warehouse was in, I would eventually find it. So it gets more fuzzy. Encryption stuff is more concrete because that's how things work in real life. All the encryption we use every day, SSH, TLS on the web, 
uh, all those algorithms are completely open. Everybody knows how they work. There's no secrets. Right. And very often we have the source code to them. And having the source code is, makes it a little bit fuzzier because if you have the source code, you can find errors. Like, oh, you implemented this mathematical algorithm incorrectly. You, you had a bug in your program and you can mm -hmm. find exploits there. And that's where you get into the whole open source, many eyes looking at stuff. But even that's not true because the Heartbleed bug was an example of open source that has been out there under thousands of eyes in theory for years and we didn't see it and it was a terrible bug. Um, that's a larger conversation. But in, generally speaking, all of the encryption algorithms that we use in our daily life are completely open and everybody knows exactly how they work. Okay. Hmm. That was boring. Sorry. But that's no, it wasn't just... boring. Do you feel like you acquitted yourself well there? Mm, probably not. Uh, mm -hmm. I you'll, mean, I listen back and know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you next week. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diff. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and to run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, they've got you covered. Squarespace combines cutting-edge design and world-class engineering, making it easier than ever to establish your home online and, well, to make your dreams your ideas, your ideations, your stuff, a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. Start with a professionally designed template and use very easy to use drag and drop tools to make your site into your own. You can customize the look and feel, the settings, the products, all of this and so much more with just a few easy clicks. And all Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile so all of your stuff is going to automatically adjust to look great on every device or dingus. You're going to get free, unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. There's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. You know, there never has been, never will be, okay? They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help, and they'll even let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, you'll have everything you need for SEO and email marketing to get your big ideas out there. You can use Squarespace for, you know, uh, pretty much anything. It, it's a website. It can be lots of things. Uh, your big idea becomes a website. That's super important. You showcase your work with their incredible portfolio designs. Hey, hey, look at me. Look at my photos. Aren't they beautiful? Yes, portfolio designs. That comes with it. You can publish your next blog post, promote your business, announce an upcoming event, and so much more. I'm a big fan of Squarespace, and I use them on the reg, as the youths say, because, uh, you know, that's where my personal uh, websites are. And uh, Squarespace is also where we put the Roderick on the line podcast. Always have, always will. Uh, they've, been, they've been great to me. Um, so, so here's what I want you to do. do. Would you do me a favor? Or, you know, you probably don't like me. You probably like John, whatever. To help John, please head over to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. That's going to get you a free trial with no credit card required. How cool is that? Then when you're ready to launch, you can use our very special offer code, which is perhaps unsurprisingly DIFFS, D-I-F-F-S. That is going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a unique domain name. Squarespace.com slash DIFFS. Use that offer code DIFFS for 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for, you know, Syracuse. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM.
Uh, well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, the, uh, what do we got? Um, oh yeah. So real quick, I'm just, this is my albatross this week. I want to spread this around and this is not to throw any, any shade or lemonade. Uh, I'd mentioned that I was having trouble in Google docs, um, copying and pasting. And I was lamenting, uh, apologizing slash lamenting to you that, um, at the top of the show last week, uh, about how I was unable to copy and paste with style in Google docs. And I suspected it had to do with my various, uh, recently added content blocking stuff. And as it turns out, uh, from a fellow named Drew on Twitter, I was informed that, yes, that's exactly the case. One of the wonderful things that I've added recently is something called Tracker Zapper, which uh, does a real neat thing. Uh, what's the fellow's name who makes this? It's escaping me. But uh, basically, Tracker Zapper is a thing that cuts off all the junk in a URL. I mean, cuts off all the junk. Okay, so you know how like you go somewhere and it's like, hey, we want to see like where you saw this tweet and what audience and blah, blah, and all that kind of like Google Analytics salad you get in a URL. And this cuts... It's pretty smart about knowing what of that stuff to cut to cut out. Uh, as it turned out, that was what was screwing me up. I think that's also what messed up my copy as Markdown link workflow. And uh, so, A, I want to thank Drew for letting me know about that. And B, I want to thank the maker of Tracker Zapper who's aware of it and is working on it. But if you have that installed and it's giving you trouble, just deactivate it. Um, I imagine it's a pretty unusual problem, but it certainly would come up. Law, so law of large numbers. Does that thing modify content as it goes into the clipboard or as it comes out of the clipboard? I don't know. But one of those things, like basically you, whatever it is that you're copying and pasting. If I had to guess, I'd say the if I had to guess, I'd say the latter, because that would both make the most sense in my head and explain the problem. Right? Well, yeah. Well, that's good to know. I mean, if you copy this... if you got into the pasteboard correctly, so to speak, with formatting, but then the magic happens in the black box. And so, and it's saying, okay, leave off, let's leave some stuff off. Mm -hmm. Does that, is that possible? You know way more about this than I I mean, do. it could be either. It could be either or both. I just, I just didn't know if you know either way. Yeah, I don't know the answer, but I just thought I'd share yeah. that with people because it was a, a frustration that I was glad to get fixed. And, uh, you know, content blockers are good. Well, see, so you say that, but like this brings up like one of the main reasons I run fewer content blocking things than it seems like a lot of other people I know Mm -hmm. is the frustration I feel when a content blocker interferes with the normal functionality of anything far outweighs the relief I feel from not from blocking. Content. Oh, I'm, I'm not like that at all. I know. I know. It's a different it balances. It's a different balance for everybody. And to be clear, I do run a content blocker, especially on my phone. I, I, I don't know. I can't. I've, th I've thrown so much. I've thrown. John, I, I'm not a web developer. I've thrown so much at the whole like I don't want to see another cookie pop-up i don't want to see another newsletter offer i don't want anything to that spawns a window inside of the window especially if it's video my biggest problem is i throw so many resources at trying to make those things go away and they don't work that that's when i screw myself up is if i have six different things all not not solving the same problem but you yeah. you, you, you can't handle that you, you want to know how it's going to work i mean because the thing that happens is it's always like oh i gotta do something in hurry i got i want to try to order takeout before i go out for something so that when i get back it's ready and yes. i'm using some person's website and the order is not going through and it won't let me type in this field and i can't tell whether it's working and is it just me or is their site broken oh i was a content blocker that makes me yeah. so frustrated and so angry. And sometimes that 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 sequence of events of me trying to do a thing in a hurry and then discovering it's a content blocker could be separated by days or weeks or months or years. And that I find maddening. 
Yeah, uh, on the flip side that. of that, obviously, I don't want to be bothered by by crap. I, I I do run, you know, I run one blocker on my phone, like I run a bunch of stuff, but I I really try to tune it so that no innocent website goes to jail, right? Like that's the main thing yeah. I'm trying to avoid. I will tolerate an occasional cookie pop up and everything if it means that in general websites continue to function when I needed them to function. I really hate yeah. it when some F- of them food work. service or delivery apps are a particularly thorny example. I mean, I, I, you, it sounds like you're talking about going to a website. You log in at DoorDash or whatever. But like, I just, I cannot, <laughs> just, I, I, it's probably a harder problem than I realize. But like, it seems telling to me. I know there's been tons of acquisitions and I guess there must be some shared codes, code bases way beyond just like Grubhub and, you know, like, you know, Apple stuff gets delivered through Uber at this point. It used to be Postmates. But did you ever, I mean, if you're like me and you have a lot of these on your phone, it's pretty wild how many of them all update at the same time. Like there's something going on with it, like some some kind of shared code base, like I say, beyond Grubhub. But it's wild in the same way, you know, you ever notice you go and you log in, you go to update on the app store and it says like, you know, Google this and Google that and Google, Google, Google. And obviously they've got a release schedule and all their Google stuff gets pushed out at the same time. But it's just bananas to me. Like, I think there's a reason all these apps suck so much. That must be part of the reason. I just can't believe how terrible these apps are. They're so rickety. We're like, sometimes we're like, and you know me, like I got to deal with this. If if I've stopped making promises to my family, especially if I don't have any uh, agency over that promise being fulfilled. And so when my kid says things like, you know, when's the food going to be delivered? I'm like, whenever they bring it here. Like, I, I'm out of the assurance business title. I'm no longer in the business of assuring people of things that I don't really know the answer to. But it is pretty wild where you go in and says, okay, this place that you get food from a couple times a week, uh, they're closed right now. Or it's currently unavailable. Or only available for later delivery. And I ran into that often enough to realize that you just have to do a little Fonzie and hit the side of it. If you do order it for like a half hour later, sometimes it works. And then other times it seems like it worked and it seems like it went through. And then it says there's been a problem with your order. It's been canceled and stuff like that. But like, I guess it must be, I know it's hard for the businesses that do these, but do you ever, do you ever use apps like iOS apps to do this kind of stuff? Most of the iOS apps I see for this purpose it are so clearly sort of wrapped websites that I say, oh no, I'm not going to try to use your web view inside a thin app wrapper, I'm going to go directly to your website if possible. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'll avoid sites that farm that out to a third-party company that I don't like. I like it better when when a restaurant tries to roll its own store than when I recognize that they've got like a white label version of something or other. And it really, and you know, the the worst case are the ones that are like, you got to be careful. Like, don't, don't go to the, what do they call them? You probably know the term for this. The ghost kitchen things or that someone puts up a, mm-hmm. yeah. a order out uh, website without the restaurant's knowledge or consent. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you meant like ghost kitchens. Um, well, no, there's, there's no, two uh, different things. The ghost kitchen yeah, is yeah, where, yeah. No, where I know what you're talking about. Serves. Oh, that happens all the time. Postmates does that all the time. Postmates is just to me the bottom of the barrel. They charge the most. The service is the worst. It's just I, 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 I the one I hate the least is Grubhub. Um, but like it's, it's, it's garbage. And then, yeah, or it'll be like, you know, like House of Prime Rib. They delivered for a while and then they didn't and then they did again. And it'll look like it, you go in there and basically yeah, they, they've just scraped the menu. The sure giveaway usually is you cannot do anything in a custom field. And this, this gets to me the biggest value of an app for this stuff is the ability to quickly and easily reorder. 
because there are some, not everywhere, yeah, but you, there are some hope. restaurants. You hope. Well, but here's the thing. Okay, so like if we get, um, I mean, like, you know, go get this burger place, right? And everybody always wants the same burger or wants the same salmon. And my kid always wants nothing on the burger. And so I do the thing where I always say in the little entry, I said, just uh, beef and cheese on a bun, please. It's for a kid. Thanks! Exclamation point. And if I hit reorder, that gets included in it. Or in my case, I say, none of your crappy steamed vegetables and uh, double wild rice, please. Or whatever, right? But that's incredibly valuable. But, for example, DoorDash, uh, at least with the places we go on DoorDash, they don't let you do an entire, like, reorder. And then there are places like Grubhub where you can put the whole thing on Siri. And you can just give it a, you can just give it a, you know, code phrase like, hey, dingus, reorder Vietnamese soup. I wouldn't say pho because it'll get confused. Um, or say like, you have a potty mouth. But you, um, but so, some do, some don't. Um, DoorDash doesn't let you do that. And it's hot garbage. And it's very prone to errors. And now once again, I end up back in the assurance business because I'm like, oh God, I hope they got the order right in the thing I put in and... You know, uh, I'm not sure what the point of all this was, except that these apps really feel like they should be better. The reordering, like, that's what I want the app to have. But A, some apps, and this is, this is the downside of these, these roll, roll your own. Grubhub's good at that. Grubhub, you can just hit express reorder, basically. Maybe you don't have as many of the roll your own, but like, the, I think the majority of restaurants that we get takeout from have mm -hmm. like hired a teenager in 1999 to do their website for ordering and it and show. So it's like, completely weird custom terrible like web 1.1 stuff sure some of them just don't have reorder which boggles my mind so my version of reordering is i search through my email for the receipt and then i carefully look oh. and go and do i, the I thing. used to just have a, a text file where i would just yeah, uh, yeah. Uh. and then the, the other thing is that there's a burrito place we've been getting takeout from that lets you you know like most burrito places extensively you know you can say whatever you know you can build your burrito however you want they have lots and lots of options of what you can have on it everyone in the family has this specific set do, of things. do they do that chipotle style with like check boxes i don't remember what the interface is but it's a similar type of thing but it becomes I, I important I, though yeah i don't like chipotle but anyway um no, but but it's no, similar, i'm just trying could, to say you, like it's it's one thing it's one thing to be able to enter stuff in a field but if they've really thought it out there's one place in town called squat and gobble that we get a lot and <laughs> the kid who did their uh data normalization for their app every there's a radio button on every single item that says no ketchup in all caps so nice. whatever you order from them you have to select no ketchup or ketchup i mean it's important seems like I you guess, can say that about you know, any food item it falls into one of those two categories the the, uh, the check boxes can be handy though, yeah. and but also it's like if it's things like it's a combo platter, like if you get Japanese food and it comes with let's say you get a choice of like two entree things, like you get you know teriyaki salmon and a sushi roll or whatever, and like but like it, they're doing stuff with radio buttons that's just unholy in some cases where you it's really unclear what you're supposed to be doing, what's required. You see a button called extra meat, whatever that means. Which extra, If you <laughs> click extra meat anywhere, basically that means you're going to get a call from someone saying, what what meat do you want extra mm. of? What is this about? Yeah, the, the, the place where the burrito is from has a lot of checkboxes, has a lot of radio buttons. It also has a free text field at the bottom, but it basically covers all of the bases, right? Yeah. And this site does offer a reorder thing, reorder your last order. But yeah. when you do reorder, it just shows like burrito, taco, <sighs> and doesn't show any of the stuff. And you're like, well, I'm not going to click submit on this. You haven't shown me. I have no faith that you have 
successfully reproduced all the million checkboxes I did. And there's no way to like dig into that burrito because it just says the main menu item, like whatever the top level that, item we, is. We have the exactly the same problem with our local burrito place, which where we finally have gotten to where it's just better if somebody, it's one of the few places still where it is just better to go there and yell around the COVID shield as they're mm-hmm. dealing with six different services. But like in that one, like my kid is not super picky, but when she gets the chicken burrito, she doesn't want pico de gallo. She doesn't want sour cream, like whatever. But guess what? A, no selection, no buttons for any of that. B, they do not accept any input in fields. <laughs> so it's basically you get it uh, of all things, even more than your beloved New York sandwiches. In this instance, like the the ultimate make it your own way food, like you get it the way they've got it or you order something else. Yeah. Garbage. Yeah, so these websites obscurity. aren't great, but but like I, when I see one that is like a one of the the big services, I'm like, eh, yeah, I, I kind of turn away. Um, further follow up, you talked to me. I was talking about my uh, my beloved hammer, uh, or excuse me, my beloved drill that I got, and you were saying I need a a, a hammer drill, and I didn't I was know what not that saying was. You need one. I just asked you if you had one because at one point I had needed one, and I was curious if you had one. Okay, do, do you want to do the rest? No, keep going. Okay. Oh, should I continue? Yeah. Today I was, uh, because, you know, the advice you gave me next last week was not really very useful. So I, I did, um, it was it was useful to know how you think about things and what you don't do, but it didn't really get me to my problem of what the F, F am I going to do with all of this old media, you know, stuff that I'm, I don't even know <laughs> if I could mount in a toaster. Um, so I thought once more, I'll just try this. I popped the Torx uh, into my drill and I took out a bunch of screws and it's while I was looking at that, I was thinking about my friend John Syracuse, and uh, I noticed, I looked at the top of the drill, and I go to myself, I go, huh, huh, because here on my drill, it's got modes, you know, and torque settings, and there's like a, a pretty, like a screw-looking screw, mm-hmm. there's a barber pole-looking screw, and then there's what, to my eye, looked a little bit like a hammer. And so I yeah. texted you, and I sent you an image. I agree that the first one looks like a screw. I think the mm-hmm. second one looks like a drill bit. So I think that's like regular drilling mode. That's my guess. Yeah. And the third one, I don't know what that is. Well, because this is a very uh, international drill produced at very low cost, it uh, doesn't come. If it had a manual, I don't have it now. And I could not find the manual. And I'm pretty good at finding manuals. But what is the brand name? You know what you could do is go to show notes for this episode where I've already entered a link hoping I'd get to talk about this and you can click through and see on the Amazon detail page what it looks like. I'm looking at it. It says FU impact drill. Okay. So if you go to relay.fm and log <laughs> into the CMS. I am in the notes document. That's, okay. the, it's the problem what with our, I, I know. I know the web is kind of a new thing for you. So we what did I'm this terrible do, naming thing. We we all collectively did this. It's been discussed on ATP in the past, oh but I think God, about it all the time. Just admit you suck. Can't you ever just admit you suck? No, just think like, okay. do you ever, do you ever really think about this? I think about the same no. way I think about command and control and how glad I am that the Mac uses command so it doesn't squat on control oh, yeah. from the Unix world. Mm-hmm. I think about this all the time, how somehow our little podcasting community decided to call two things, show notes, the things that the people who consume the podcast see in their podcast player called show notes. Yeah. And also the thing that we look at when we're recording the show that the, the, the listeners never mm. see, we also call those show notes. And we should work on this. We should work on this. It's too, it's too late. It's, uh, it's like no, trying, it's to re- just trying to not call them podcasts because we don't use iPods right. anymore. It's too late. All right, I anyways. call them netcasts. Jaylene. Uh, can we Jaylene. slow that? If you slow that down, Jaylene. it sounds really cool. Um, 
and it is a setting. So you'll see there, it's for, you get wood. So those three screw-ish icons are for wood, brick, and I think the third one is like concrete. So it's probably it's probably a hammer drill, but this brand I have well, never heard of. Well, just search on it, John, using your fingers. Look I'm for the looking word, at the Amazon page right either now. Either hammer or impact. Search for impact. I'm, I'm looking at the, the Amazon page right now. And I thought I'd try it out. So um, put put it on here. that setting and spin it next to the microphone. Uh, well, that was on. Uh, so this is regular. And I got the torque pretty high up. That's regular just screw setting. That is a drill bit setting. And now here's the thing though. What this isn't going to work because I'm not pushing on it currently. If I put a bit in here and then I push on it, you're going to hear it go slappa, slappa, slappa. Let's hear it. Okay, hang on. I got to take my bit out. Come here, you. I'm using the stock bit like a sucker. Yeah. So anyway, it would really help if I, ow, 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 if I kept the, um, manual for this oh god oh, what am i doing ow, ow, ow. oh damn it okay uh the bits oh man nearby um damn it Wait, this is in here too hard it's difficult how do i get the bit out and i don't want to break a blade oh here i'll use a ruler oh my god this is how you end up in an emergency room oh i'm gonna bend my ruler i just know it okay here we go all right so I'm putting in a Phillips, pretty big Phillips head. Make sure that is tight. And I have the hard drive right here. Let's hear what it sounds like. Okay, here we go, ready? Hang on, gotta get this a little tighter. Get in there, you. And you hear it? Can you hear it? Yeah, but I mean, you're not supposed to use that setting with a with a screw bit. But I got it. No, you're I not. It. You're not. You're not supposed to do it. Are you hearing it? I am oh, hearing. That's it. my data. That's my data. My bit fell out. Right. If you if you switch to the other setting and do the same thing, switch to the plain drill setting and see if we don't right. hear the slapper slapper. Okay, stand by. Okay, let me get this all the way in. I was just looking okay, so, out. Because I'm talking to you on a god. <laughs> okay. That's what it, uh, poundy, poundy. Okay, now here's regular. Uh, yeah, yeah, you gotta go all the way here for the pounding. Well, I'm not sure if it's pounding at all. Did I move the top the, thing? The, the, one of the customer reviews says the impact feature works inconsistently. I think that's probably true. It's a $60 drill. So yeah, this I mean, does not look like a high quality device, but it's it pretty seems good like... for what I paid for. Look, you see how it all comes with it? It comes with a little octopus. No, I see. I see. I, I feel like, all right, so I think this this drill is trying to have the feature I was describing, but <sighs> may not be completely successful at having it. I could have taken a nap tonight. Um, anyway, I've got that. I want to learn more about that, but I don't, if it has it, and I think it does, it's not super effective. Um, because I feel like I've tried that before. And I mean, at first I thought, am I supposed to hit this with a hammer while I'm using it? Which seems like it could be kind of fun. No, you don't want to do that. But the problem is I'm right-handed. I would need two right hands. You know what I mean? I use my left hand for steadying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jaylene. I, don't, I wish I knew the lyrics of that song. I would add one right here. Uh-huh. Jaylene. Jaylene. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's okay for a drill. Oh, my God. Also, I got a new label maker. Um... And never mind. But it did make me think of you because I, uh, I I'd mentioned on another program, if anybody has suggestions for a label maker, and I got a really nice note 
I want to actually credit this person because they were extremely nice about helping me with this. I got a really nice note from a person called... I thought you were going to say it was my wife because she loves to use the label maker. Oh my God. I, I, I'm so tired of typing with my thumbs. I hate it so much. Uh, I wrote a thank you note back to them and that should be down here. This is what happens when I don't prepare. Um, and I want to credit this person. Oh yeah, this is from Matt, listener Matt. And uh, Matt suggested one to try out, and uh, I, I got I got that one, and I've been trying it, and oh, John, it was really like a trip down memory lane. I mean, think about where we are now with the Mac in any variety of ways. Think about where we were with the Mac in the mid to late 90s. And um, I, I feel like I remember pretty clearly, anytime I bought anything to connect to my Mac, it required some you know extensions, some acrobatics, a CD installer, so now imagine that now in our, in our world of, in this case, Monterey and the secure stuff. Ooh, the software for this is not good, John. Wait, there's software? Don't you just type that on the, oh. the label making machine? Well, one of the things that was mentioned to me by Matt, listener Matt, thank you, Matt, was that, you know, if you try and do too much apple stuff with this, you're going to run into trouble. Like, good luck finding AirPrint. And I was like, hey, it's no big deal. Like, I just need to connect this to a Mac and use it. And yeah. So first of all, the software was last updated September of 2020. That's downloaded from their website. September 2020, which is a pretty long time. And you know, to their credit, like I did plug it in and it mostly worked. I got the, I got the nasty gram about needing to run, you know, reduce security. I got all of that. And then what I didn't notice until right before we started recording, I went up to my menu bar to turn on, um, um, uh, watch my dick punch, you know? And I saw a very, very colorful icon up there. If I click on the very colorful icon, it's got five items. Uh, Grayed out, it says started on port 41951. Below that, I have stop service, configure, diagnose, and exit. (laughs) The very Mac-like exit. So right now, uh, this is running, uh, it's it's looking for label things to come in on a port because it's 2021. And it runs in my menu bar all the time. I would not choose this product solely because it tries to connect to my Mac. I would prefer to have one with a keyboard on the label maker that I never touched my computer uh, with and I just type in. I want to label all my bags, John. All the bags. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of typing USB-A to USB-C. I'm tired of typing USB-C dongles. I want to have a sheet. I want to print them all out. Mm-hmm. And if I switch over to all different new bags, I want to have a way. I also want to be able to label things for my freezer. I'm tired of typing. I'm going to send you this garbage freaking label maker that keeps stored under my desk in my 12 South shelf. Uh, I'll send you a photo of that. This is a terrible episode, John. I think that's it for follow-up. We did it. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Memberful. You can learn more about Memberful right now by going to memberful.com, M-E-M-B-E-R. F-U-L.com slash diffs, right? Head on over there. So, so, so what is this thing? Well, you know, memberful. It's the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience. And it's used by the biggest uh, content creators on the web. You can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. And of all the things that can be diversified, I think one of the most valuable from a business standpoint is your revenue stream. So diversify it, right? And you probably heard us talking about the Relay FM member program, right? If you've ever gone to, uh, what is it, relay.fm slash rd slash join? Oh, yeah, you're going to be joining via Memberful. How about that? They're the platform we use for that program. It's literally Memberful. 
make it super easy to generate some uh, extra revenue and to deliver bonus content to your members. Uh, you know, I, I can't even tell you that much about Memberful because God's honest truth, it does all the work for me. All I do is punch in the stuff I would punch in anyway, you know, for, for, uh, for our member episodes. And, and Memberful takes care of all of that. And they can take, take care of that for you too. So, you know, maybe you're already producing content and you're relying on advertising or other means of income. Well, Memberful makes it easy to diversify that income. Make it diverse, you know, be modern, you know. They got everything you need to run a membership program. So that's why why they call it memberful, right? This includes stuff like uh, custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, yes, thank you, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more. And that leaves you with full control and uh, ownership of your stuff, you know, related to your audience, your brand, and your membership. You know, memberful, right? And, you know, you can now even send, get this, paid email newsletters. People love these things. You can do that directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. They're the party. They're Memberful, right? You can even uh, you, you, can, you can publish that on a members-only website if you want. There's no additional fee when you're signed up for Memberful's pro or premium plans. That's included. Unless you're going to save money compared to other popular hosted newsletter platforms. Well, that was a nice way to put that. So if you're a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion. So get started right now. You guys get started for free. No money involved. You go to memberful.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. No credit card is required. Memberful.com slash diffs. You go there now and please check it out. It supports John Syracuse. Hey, you never know. It could be the start of something exciting. They, They can just use that. Well, technically I can just use that. That's just what they wrote down for me to say. Something exciting. Let's talk about something exciting. Memberful. Our thanks to Memberful for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. <sighs> time is it? So tired. Um, uh, all right. Oh, 47 minutes. All right, we got time for something. Oh, is this what we're talking about the future? Gender. Yeah. You mentioned it last week. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of be upper butt about it these past ten to fifteen months. I guess so. I guess so. This is in the context of uh, this general mushy topic we've had in here for a while of that can include lots of different things, but it's thinking about the future, including things like biology and evolution, things about AI, and blah blah blah, and just. Just, I think that the thread through a lot of this thing I'm looking at here in our document is like, um, you know, I, I, you more than me, but me to some extent, I, I would like to think my mind or my heart or my soul is open to changing and growing and seeing things in different ways. Not just because I don't want to get old. I do want to get old. I mean, the, the other option is to die and, and we're all going to die. When people say stuff like you can establish a legacy contact in case you die. I think that's, that's, a, that's a slightly insincere way to phrase that. I mean, I think I think what they mean when they say that is all about context. The English language is in all languages. That what they context. mean in case you die is mm-hmm. there's an un, unwritten, unspoken word there. In case you die unexpectedly, as in mm. sooner than you expected to die, as in something that you didn't have time to plan for because you didn't expect to die tomorrow. But you nobody did. expects to die. So mm-hmm. that's the unspoken part there. Yes, they all, all right. know we're all going to die eventually. But when you're around, when you're like 95 years old, it's not unexpected yeah, anymore. Right. But I would like to grow. And I think uh, one, one thing I've really benefited from in talking with you is to have somebody who challenges me on 
ideas that uh, I think I understand or think I'm open to changing. And uh, I'm not sure what what we zoomed in on with gender, except that I was talking about wanting to read that Judith Butler <laughs> book, <laughs> talking about how I'm not old, about how it bugs me that I can only find it in fully justified text. But I am very, boy, if, there's, if you think about the stuff that has really changed in my lifetime, I think arguably you, you could say, you know, uh, the, the, the increasing, slightly increasing okayness of queerness in general. But also, I mean, it's a pretty big deal now versus, say, 20, 30 years ago of understanding the distinction between, like, let's say sexual attraction and gender. And that, but boy, they're both really, really, really complicated. And I don't know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure why we're talking about this, but I would like to talk about it. Well, you talk about it a lot on Dubai Friday. Um, I wonder and, why. You know, it, it, it fits and starts. It, you know, it comes up as a big topic. Sometimes you want to talk about I think I think about, about it less than Alex, if I'm being honest. Yeah, sometimes Alex wants to talk about it. Sometimes you do. Sometimes, yeah, you know, it yeah. just, it, it goes around. And I, I listen to that show and I, I, I hear about it. And, uh, you know, and you, you brought it up as a potential topic for last week's show. Of course, we never got to it because we're not good right. about staying on topic. Um, and that's how it stayed in here, and it is in the, the in the future section. And what the way you had phrased it in the in the future section is, what will happen with gender? Gender in quotes, mm-hmm. um, as a future thing, but obviously in the present, we're sort of it's happening now. I was when you were talking about this, I was thinking, like one of, I, I'm always thinking about, you know, what what's the next thing? What's the consequence of this? What's the future? Blah blah blah. Like it's always kind of my mm-hmm. mindset. And so sort of like life. second order stuff that like we can Even speculate about, but. Like, just like, you know, thinking about really? what's going to happen. In you the, mean like li- literally predicting the thing that happens next? Yeah. Or like, like future. I find I, my mindset, I have this mindset at work as well. But, you know, in all, in all aspects of life, this is part of my interest in sci-fi or whatever. It's like, given what's happening right now with like current stuff mm-hmm. uh, and given like the trend lines, you know, what does this look like? Uh, how does, you know, extrapolate a little bit, extrapolate out from this and say, you know, where we're going to go. You would call that first order? Yeah, because you're not saying I like, thought first oh, some... order was like, I fire you, you leave. And a second order would be more like, well, then I have to think about what happens after I lose my job. And I always think of second order as being, and you can tell me I'm wrong here, but I thought that meant the stuff that's a result of the thing that we're, we can see the result of. Yeah. It's uh, more in the nebulous, it's difficult to predict part. The, the butterfly wing kind of thing. I guess is what you, how you define your trend line. If you define your trend line as transistors are, are getting smaller, like that's your trend line and you, whatever, Moore's law, right? Moore's law, yeah. You can say, okay, well, uh, transistors, if you're in 1980 something and you're like, hey, look at this, transistors keep getting smaller. What does this mean? Just extrapolate out from this one piece of information. Transistors are getting smaller and, you know, and cheaper. Can, can we predict that that pattern will stay exactly the same forever? No, but like, what are the consequences of transistors getting smaller, right? So, so you look at what we have now. We've got, you know, we have calculators on our wristwatches and we've got home computers and we've got, you know, televisions and cars with little computers inside them. Uh, and then, you know, extrapolate. Like, if you look at that and say, I see what this is going to do in, you know, in a couple of decades, we're going to have X, we're going to have Y. And all you're doing is just saying, I'm just taking this one thing and extrapolating it and you'll get pushback because people will be like, but that's ridiculous. A personal communicator. It's we carry ridiculous in a, a million ways. In the same way that, you know, remember your, your thing about why we get a PC? Well, so, mm-hmm. so mom can organize her recipes and dad can do uh, finances. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. But then like, and well, that, but you're, you're saying that as somebody who's really not used a computer very much. And once you're somebody who's used a computer very much, you see a lot more to it than, you know, 
just yeah, and the, check, the more you understand, like, the more you understand what transistors are and how they're currently being used. What would you do if you had ten times, a hundred times, a thousand times, a million times more of them for the same price? Right. I calculate the tip very, very fast. Right, and that's the you know that's that's the short sightedness and requiring to know, but it's mostly just for a sort of thing. So, um, it when I was younger, like middle school, high school it was clear that one of the trends that was happening in my lifetime, I mean, I'm sure it happened, it happened before my lifetime as well, but when you're a teenager, you don't uh, have a very good view of history, is sort of increasing social acceptance of things that were f- previously not socially acceptable, right? So mm-hmm. during my childhood, it was the, you know, the, the continuing trend of increasing, increasingly being okay with the idea that sex is, is not something we just whisper about, right? So that started whatever, the sexual revolution or however you want to see that trend line, Starting going all the way back to like Victorian times, so you couldn't show your ankles or whatever. <laughs> Just the general change in the Overton shame window. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's a trend. And all, you all the things that like are just not even, we're not going to talk about this. The Overton window is not there. These are all things you should be ashamed of even admitting you know about. Right. And, and you know, the little I knew of history, you could see, okay, in the past, people were even more prudish. And mm-hmm. now uh, w- this trend continues. People are all upset about Madonna. Why are they upset? Why are kids not upset? Like you can see that trend. Uh, and the same thing with like, AIDS when I was a kid and uh, homosexuality and being more like uh, open with that and accepting of that. Like it was a clear trend line. Right. And you could see when I was a kid, it was like, okay, well, gay marriage uh, will probably eventually be a thing if current trends continue. And that, you know, and younger people are more okay with it than older people. And you could sort of extrapolate there. And I remember thinking about that by the time I was in high school, I'm like, this is this is a done deal. Like, you know, we eventually like my kids will, you know, the, the acceptance of oh, gay people. Like, you know, it's all over, but the shouting like this is settled stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And even though even though there was going to be another few decades of shouting, and it's not like, oh, everything's fixed. You know, it's over. We solved it. Everyone loves gay people. No, but I can still see that. <laughs> just, like, like, just like a woman's right to choose and self-driving yeah. cars. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's settled law. Um, the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But you could see uh, how this trend was going. And what I did then was the thing that was, you know, thinking about the future was like, OK, but then because I would think like, you know, this is this is fine for me. But my parents generation has trouble with it. Right. Like so many things yeah. when you're a kid, you're like, oh, those old people, they don't get it, but we get it. And so what I would want to do, you know, I was in high school and middle school and say, okay, what is going to be the thing that my kids get and that i don't that, that that they look they look down on me and they say, well, like, what's the next thing? Like, when am I going to be? in theory, stereotypically in the camp of like, but that's just too far, right? Uh, I mean, re- like, just not, not to be too cute about it, but like, let's be fair, which is, let, let's put this in a fair way, which is like, even with your best intentions, with a good heart, with like trying to be, you know, what what is the thing that will come along that like, I can't even come up with an example that wouldn't show how old I am here. <laughs> but like, for example, when you hear stuff like, you know, Berkeley's thinking of making, letting pets vote or whatever, that kind of thing, where you're like, okay, I, I, right, that kind of thing, where you're like, what's going to be the thing that comes along that it, it seems that so sh- shocks my sensibilities? Well, it would be the thing that would, would seem like pets voting, but really was gay marriage. Right. Like to like that. It would oh, seem yeah, that like, used to be a pets voting issue for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So but mm-hmm. anyway, and the re- and to be clear, the reason I was thinking of it was to make sure that that would never happen to me because I was never going to be the person who didn't get the thing that the young people did. I was never going to be, you know, and I I swore this when I was a kid. My parents used to make fun. I said, oh, like because I was the person in our house who understood computers. I was into computers and was like, you just wait when you have kids 
they're going to be telling you how to use your computers. I'm like, no, they never will. Because I will always, <laughs> like, I was so adamant that, like, you know, it's like you I printed it, out the Photoshop right. commands for it, you. It won't, it won't even be, you know, it won't be computers. It'll be something else, some kind of technology things that your kids will get and you won't. And I was adamant that that would never happen, right? And so right. far it hasn't, right? But that, but even that comparison, I mean, not, not, not to over-problematize this, but, like, part of the problem is, again, we sometimes say this jokingly, the category error. The, I mean, there's a category error at play in almost all of these things, setting aside all how many orders out we are. But there's that problem of like, well, what if computers aren't computers anymore? And now, like, the question's moot, really. I mean, is there, you know what I mean? Stuff comes along and changes and like evolves in all of these different ways that nobody could have ever predicted. And so, like, your bet doesn't even make that much sense anymore. What, will John know how to use like a Pentium? always know how to use a Pentium better than his kid. Well, yeah, but that and $11 will get you a cup of coffee. Who cares? I mean, the fact that I did computer stuff as a profession basically kept me ahead of my kids and I'm still, and will and will continue to be ahead of my kids. Um, but I'm not even talking about cultural stuff. But using a computer. On, but, but yeah, but or, or a phone or, or, or TiVo or. So like they can work, you work all interfaces faster than them. Yeah, of course. You're kidding me. Of course I do. So what's WhatsApp, Snapchat, all that kind of stuff, you're better at using that app than they are. It depends on the specific app if I've ever used it before. Do you see where I'm going with it, though? Right. I just want you to get your head around the idea that it's not a fair competition. Well, I was, that's why I was getting into the cultural stuff. Like, I'm not ever going to be as good with the slang, <laughs> You're right? the handsomest boy in Albany, New York. Right. So, like, like the thing with the cultural things, if there's a cultural reason for them to be using an app and for me not to be using it, then I don't have experience with it. But in terms of, like why is my phone not working or like, you know, what's, what's causing this thing to go wrong or why can't I get on the Wi-Fi? These are all problems that they face with technology that didn't exist when I was a kid that they don't know, have any idea how to debug. And I do. Right. Mm. And the same yeah, thing with right. any of the apps that they're using, if they can't figure something out, an app, you know, I've never used that app before. If you gave me a day or two with it, I would be able to eventually figure out what the deal is just because I have so much more background knowledge about computer stuff than they do. Um, and that's what I was talking about. Not so much that I'm going to understand all of their their cultural references and slang that they use on Snapchat with each other. Or, you know, I don't get, you know, even memes, I would say I'm pretty up on most of the memes, which I think surprises them a lot. And I don't you know, I maybe I just get it from Twitter or whatever. But like the cultural stuff is, is obviously you can never keep up with that. But the technology stuff, like the sort of mm-hmm. understanding the technology, why is why would anyone use one of these things? Like the same way our parents just didn't understand. What are you doing on the computer for all those hours? Or what is an AOL <laughs> chat room? Like, I don't have any of that misunderstanding. But that's getting more into the cultural stuff. I was mostly just thinking about the technical stuff. Yeah. OK. But on with the, with the cultural stuff, like, again, the reason I was thinking about like, so, you know, uh, you know, gay rights and gay marriage and everything like that. This is this is the the battle of my time. I'm in middle school and my parents are fuddy duddies and they don't get it. And it's so clear that, uh, you know, the younger generation does get this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I never want to be like them. So let me think about when I'm older, what is the thing that the younger generation is going to throw in my face? They're going to say that I don't get just so I make sure that never happens, that there never is something that they throw in my face. So I'm never so I never am as backwards as my parents and grandparents are. Right. And so <laughs> I had to think of. You're living in a dream. <laughs> right. Well, so I had to think, well, oh the first God. challenge is, okay, what is that thing going to be? Like, yeah. and what I was trying to do is try to think of something that you know exists, but that seems like voting for pets, right? That currently seems like pets voting. I, I, I mean, that that's not really that far off what I think is the clear one, which is going to be 
when we say animal rights, we think about those dinglings at PETA, but I think there's going to be a massive change in how we think about our relationship with animals in the next even 10 years. It's going to be, it's going to be incomprehensible to us. I don't know if they're going to get to vote. They might get to be my boss. <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to be 10 years. I think your timeline might be off on that. I think you got to go. This is, that's more of a far future thing. But, but anyway, for whatever reason, I came up with one thing. Like, I don't know why okay. I was limiting myself to one, because obviously it's never going to be one thing. This is, I'm sorry, but this is back at, in, at this time? In middle, this yeah, in middle school. Like, okay. I'm trying to think right. of, like, what is... And I, and again, why did I come up with just one? It was stupid, because, I'm you know, there's a million things, right? And the one that I came up with, it was wrong in that it is not currently, in, you know, present day, a particularly pressing thing. It may eventually be, and maybe I was on the right path but i was i missed i missed the big one it's kind of like missing the internet which we'll get to the general yeah, right, stuff. right right we're gonna have yeah we're gonna be able to do space travel but we won't be able to call ahead yeah so the 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 one that i came up with was i don't even know the correct word for any of this stuff but it's like essentially maybe because i was stuck on marriage it's like gay marriage i was like okay mm-hmm. what about marriages that involve more than two people which i knew was mm-hmm. a thing Right. And I don't know the right words for all the stuff like, you know, polyamorous relationships or whatever, but essentially like. But but like, I mean, just to try and if, if, if you'll forgive me trying to remove some of the valence, a, a people in a uh, uh, for the sake of argument, a, a committed relationship that is not uh, a duo of heterosexual people. Yeah, just basically more than. I'm not trying. To, I don't. I mean, yeah. I realize I'm sounding like a lawyer, but what what you're really saying here is, well, you know what? If you involve more than two people, there's going to have to be some mixums mixem ups with uh with gender. Uh, sure, but that's not even the the part of it was that the fact that it would be more than two people, and the so the arguments are that there's a bunch of arguments against right the, the reasons why it seems ridiculous right. So the first one is the his, yep. the history yep. of that, the history of men with multiple wives and the whole sub- subjugation and sexism that's involved with that. It's got a bunch of crappy baggage. So right away, yeah. people are going to say, you know, gay marriage is fine, but only when it's two people. If you ever have multiples, that's just a way for women to be subjugated. Look at this long history of that happening. And that's true. That's a, that's a difficult history, right? So there's <laughs> yeah. that. The second thing is the same thing they used to say about gay marriage. Oh, it, look at all the legal problems. All of our laws assume uh, a man so and a wife. And if you have three people, how many things we're going to have to change yeah, if how, we do that? How will we generalize all these laws for N people when they've only been made for one or two people? It's such a hassle. <laughs> Right. How many unnecessary assumptions will I have to just slightly change? Exactly. Right. And so I went down this whole path of like essentially making myself okay with the idea of like, how do we mitigate for the terrible past history of like multiple wives and the terrible things that happen in those scenarios while still allowing for consenting uh, adults in healthy relationships to have more than two people <laughs> be in essentially a marriage and getting all the legal rights and and, and that come with being in a marriage. And thinking of it as a good thing that we encourage because it's good for society and so on and so forth right yeah more stability and yeah. emotional uh security yeah and so that, that's what i came up with and what i didn't think about and what ended up being the next big thing that sort of is rolling around in the social landscape is everything having to do with gender transgender and yeah. all those things um which they're, they're, they're so i i'd like to really applaud myself for being able to make that distinction but there's so much overflow between those two big issues, though. You know, I mean, sort of like I was just problematizing with you're like, well, you know, what? if you had a third person, you're either going to be all the same gender or not. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be somebody who has a beef with that. But 
but, but, I, but, my, but it, my, it could all be cis yeah. people. You know what I'm saying? And like in, in the current cult, cultural parlance, oh, you mean no like one is talking about no one is talking about polyamory. Everyone is talking about transgender issues, which is you know. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. yeah. I missed that call. As in, when you're an adult, there will currently so far not a lot of time has been burnt up in popular media and, and in the culture wars talking about uh, relationships between multiple cis people, whereas gender and and transgender mm. issues are a much bigger thing today and mm-hmm. you know and and this is me in middle school by the time i was in high school one of my best friends turned out to be transgender so i got it kind of got a crash course in that <laughs> right but that's um, you know how how much had they talked to you about it at the time uh not at all <laughs> so <laughs> didn't, you didn't find you out didn't, you didn't know yeah yeah didn't, well, I, didn't I, find I, out I mean, until i was in college but but like it's like my, my one of my best friends in um in early high school i mean well gosh there's all these phrases i can't even use anymore he was the gayest gay man i've ever met in my life and except he was definitely not gay according to him and sort of like alexandra has said like alexandra says they felt like they were the last person to realize that you know they were gay mm-hmm. and but like it could you did you get a a vibe no, I, was, I was 100 percent clueless Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like as with so many things right uh i i didn't even i didn't even know what i didn't know but 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 that conflation that conflation of like sexual um what's the word sexual orientation conflating sexual orientation and gender it's like once you decouple those and open your mind a little bit everything becomes it can still be difficult but it does become simpler it's so what makes it and this is going to be my jeremiah when you're done is that it's the problem is this gets so close to what many people i think erroneously or carelessly consider basic human nature stuff they don't realize that that's you know cultural stuff from 3000 years ago whatever but like they they feel like this is you know there there is no third it's not yin yang and steve <laughs> Right, there's a natural order of in the world, and boys like girls, girls like boys, and and never the the twain don't meet. Yeah, that's why I think when I tried to come up with something, I came up with like essentially uh, multiple cis people in a marriage. It's because I I like questioning the gender binary was so far outside, like it was such a given, you know, such a sort of an accepted thing, a natural order of things type of thing. That never even entered my mind as something to even consider. It certainly makes things a lot more complex and multivariate, right? And and that's and that's that's why I feel like a hundred percent missed that one is because it just it's it's like one of those things that's so foundational that you don't even question it, right? Yeah. And that's you know that's that perhaps is why it is the the next issue that we are. How, how do you, how do you score culture. yourself in retrospect? How do you score yourself? Oh, it was, it was terrible. It was a stupid kid or whatever. Um, but like, no, but I mean, like, well, I mean, okay. That's I mean, and this is just predicting now, the future. But... Who cares? Like, like to to what I, to my credit, once uh, I was once it was revealed to me that hey, this is a thing, and the gender binary is not a law of nature, but is a cultural thing that you have been indoctrinated with, and you need to undo that. It was. I mean, again, it helps if you. This is the worst thing, but like having personal. It's all the Republicans; they can only learn anything. And when, some, when it's someone, it's someone in their family, like as a father or daughter or whatever. Oh no! Everybody loves Aunt Joe and her friend, right? But, but everybody's yeah, got but, an Aunt Joe, you know. Yeah, but practically speaking, uh, that is a crash course for everybody, not just Republicans, to get a clue faster than normal. Um, I I like to think that I would have gotten a clue anyway eventually, but I got a crash course in getting a clue. 
you know, being a good mm-hmm. person, being a reasonably good person and being open to the idea that you don't know everything really helps you uh, get a leg up on uh, cultural changes, which is why I feel like just like with the technology stuff, I hope that I am never somebody who says, well, gay marriage is fine, but insert X is a bridge too far. I hope I am never like that. Um, I hope that I am able to put the same amount of judgment as in saying, okay, pets voting is always going to be stupid unless we get <laughs> artificial. become a pet suffragette. Yeah. Unless, we get, unless we get pets with the intelligence of, you know, with, with massively greater intelligence, pet voting is always going to be stupid. Yeah, like the, like the dog on Rick and Morty. <laughs> Just hope he doesn't get like an ectoskeleton. Right. Whereas the gender binary is a social construct uh, that yeah. we should not accept as a given because it's not and it has no basis in anything. And so, you know, it's. It, I hope I'm always able to distinguish between the BS and the real uh, real issues that have been masked by like what you accepted as a as a law of the universe what was really just thousands of years of crappy culture landing on your shoulders and you're not realizing it yeah and tribal um inculcation or like you know the the kind of tribal stuff that uh this came up a lot when alex and i were talking about trauma it's been a big topic on do by friday and this book we uh, both read and enjoyed that makes the case that and this is the guy, one of the guys who kind of pioneered PTSD as a as a diagnosis and then how to treat it. But you know, one of the things he says is that uh, I think you probably know this, but if our listeners haven't heard, uh, uh, what's the book called? Is it un- not un- unwinding anxiety? Oh, uh, the body keeps the score. And he says the thing in his book that was the most like melon spinning to me was saying that we tend to minimize or deny our own trauma uh, for a lot of reasons. But it's there's sort of the new brain and the old brain parts of you. I know this is not neuroscience exactly, but the, there's this relatively new and not very mature part of our brain that thinks willpower and thinking can fix things. And then there's this old part of our brain, a little more toward the middle, that's just trying to stay alive and hustle. And they're often at odds. And that one way you can see this play out is, you know, and uh, I don't want to have to do a content warning here, but things that can happen to people in life that can be extremely difficult, let's just say, fill in your version of that, um, that we tend to minimize or or really negate it, that we say, no, that didn't happen, that couldn't have happened. Father O'Malley is such a good guy. My whole family loves Father O'Malley. If I say Father O'Malley did something untoward toward me, like a lot, I'm not the, he's not the one who's going to get in trouble. I'm the one who's going to get in trouble. And therefore, there is an aspect to the way our our brains operate, our minds, if you like, operate, which is to say, I want to keep you protected. I want to keep you protected from this thing that's causing you a lot of pain. But without you even realizing it, I'm also trying trying to make it so you can stay a member of the tribe. And if you say something about Father O'Malley, there's a pretty good chance the tribe's going to turn on you. And that that's happening on a like a sub rosa level in your brain in a way that is not obvious and will work at cross purposes with your forebrains, your like neocortex's like strongest idea of like, oh, with all this willpower, I'll be able to fix this problem and like, you know, wish the father away or whatever. But um yeah, so sorry, sorry, I was carrying on there. But it's um you know, I and I, I don't want this to just turn into like some kind of virtue signaling, um, you know, stump speech on my part. But, but what I will say is, and you know, I, I, John, I make that distinction a lot. And I think it, it might sound silly to people, but I think I think it's a, it's meaningful to say that there are things in life that are that are both simple and difficult, right? So, like a crossword puzzle, a Sudoku, that can be easy. 
And that could be simple. But there are things that just because something is difficult doesn't mean it's not simple. Simple as in like, this is understandable in a way that may be extremely difficult and painful for you. But once you accept the simplicity of this truth, it's going to become, you're, you're the one who's tying you being some notional other person here. You're the one tying yourself in knots over this because you've decided that this person and, you know, <laughs> wanting to talk about their gender in a way that doesn't work for you, that it, I don't mean this to be a straw man, except I think this is real. Like, there's a reason this is such a hot button issue, especially in like evangelical Christian communities, the same kind of people that think that the Bible was written in English a thousand years ago or whatever. Like, no, dude, like, how's your Aramaic? How's your Hebrew? Like, that's, you know, just, you know, just real quick, God didn't write that. Okay. We're not even sure that John wrote that. But okay, whatever. We'll set all that aside. But and I'm not. I'm not here. To, I'm not you. Use your role to bag on faith. I'm not here to bag on faith. What I am here to bag on is like whatever your your thing is. Do you need to see some mandate established that ensures that Yin and Yang stay attracted to each other with no Steve, and that it's so odd that the battleground for this becomes restrooms, and that talk about straw men, the way that we, that people tend to build up these, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to do a Jeremiah ad about, hey, why can't everybody be as woke as me? What I am trying to say is that you will experience a lot more freedom and, and joy in life if you open yourself to the idea that it, it doesn't need to matter that much to you. And it's okay if it matters a lot to somebody else, just because, just because you have a thought on it doesn't make it important. It doesn't mean that you get to like change their life about it. And this is what gets me into the, what I find so interesting, just to jump ahead a little bit about the Judith Butler stuff. I'm just very, and this is why I want to read this book, if I can find it not fully justified, is that I, I'm very interested in the idea that gender is also a changing thing. Like, because what could possibly be more frustrating to somebody who has a traditional idea of gender and sexual orientation, right? Everything has been so clear up till now. <laughs> Except for this mysterious approximately 10% that nobody understands. <coughs> boys like girls, girls like boys. <coughs> boys go in this restroom, girls go in that restroom. Adam and Eve. Like, there, there is this, uh, I don't want to get super into Hegel here, but that there, there is, like, we, we will not accept a tripartite chart for this. That there needs to be these, there's two ways this can go, and only two ways. And I do feel like people can sometimes behave in a way that's extremely irrational because they, they feel like their faith is threatened by the idea of being of gender being something different than what they believe it is. And I think the thing that maybe makes people very upset is that no, and, and even the thing you don't understand, you don't understand. That's where the Judith Butler stuff gets interesting to me. It's one thing to see homosexuality as a perversion of male-female coitus. And it's another thing to say, well, oh yeah, well, like, you know, let's go talk to, uh, who's that actress I like from um, Hidden Figures? But like, you know, there are people whose attraction, like get ready for this to get really complicated. Like what if you are very attracted to trans men, um, but you're not attracted to, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's just all of these things that become the nexus of gender and, and sexual uh, attraction. And if you can't, find your way in, if you can't find a crack of light to start seeing how that doesn't need to be as big a deal, how can I put this? I just think people get really charged out up about it and they perceive it as a personal attack and a 
attack on their faith, an attack on their tradition, attack on, I think you could argue, you don't have to go very far back to go back to the kind of Robert Hughes, great men, great books era of like, you know, the eighties and nineties. And that whole idea of like, oh my God, do we want to extend the canon to people like Alice Walker? I mean, she, she does probably have a vajayjay. Do we really want that in schools? And now today, you know, critical race theory or whatever it is. And it's all these things that become perceived by people as like, this is going to finally be the death blow for everything I believe in. I need to care about this a lot. And then you gin that up with somebody's trying to like diddle my kid in the ladies room or whatever, or they're trying to win at sports. It's the same thing as like where we say, oh, you know, women just do this to get the attention. They they make these claims because they want the attention. It's like, oh, do you, would you want that attention? Would you want to have to like be like Alexandra and worry that people like Alexandra gets yelled at in bathrooms on the reg because it means a lot to somebody that Alex not be there. And so I'm sorry, this is I'm just I'm just blathering. I, what I what it, what this hopefully will reveal is. Uh, hopefully very little about me and a lot about the idea that I think we're going to continue to have very interesting evolving ideas about this. And just to bring the kids back into it without getting too personal, you know, and this is kind of why I was giving you jazz a minute ago about computers or whatever, where it's like, well, category error. Are we even talking about computers? Well, in this instance, it's mind boggling. There's still cruelty and terribleness uh, in kids, but there's a lot of stuff that's really, really different. I mean, at like a heartbeat level about the way a lot of young people think. Not all, not all, but like it's it's just wild. It's wild to me what has become even just table stakes of like, this is just what you do to be a decent person. And I, I've joked about this, but I think this is true. I think my kid's default pronoun for people is they, which if you think about it, kind of makes a lot of sense. I, I, I don't love it because I like pronouns, you know, being especially useful for the, the disambiguation they provide, but I totally get where she's coming from. Until somebody tells me they want to be called he, she, they, sure, whatever, until you tell me what you want to be called, why don't I call you they? Because I may not get it right, but I want to be respectful to whatever your thing is. I don't know. I just feel like there's, there's all of these things where like, oh my Christ, people are so far ahead of us on this stuff. We're still just, we're still just catching up. We're trying to like crank our horse to go faster. And it's like, the world has already changed. It's changing so fast. And I think a lot of people, it's become like the new lost cause, you know? Uh, anyway, speak. It, you were using the analogy of the, the, the society, the, the, the culture where if you say something about Father O'Malley, you're out of the group. And, but the, you were using that as like, that's happening inside your head between these two parts of your brain. And one part of your brain realizes that if it tells the truth about There's what happened. There's a big disincentive to just not even acknowledge anything about father o'malley right but and but this I, if i followed you correctly i think this was an analogy of like imagine in your brain you have these two parties and it's one part of your brain and another part of your brain and the the, the trouble with the trauma is the one part of your brain doesn't really want to tell the truth about father o'malley because it knows the other part of its brain is going to kick it out of the tribe am i did i did i follow that analogy correctly i i mean i think I, well i think it's i, I mean I, I think we're not even getting into shame and shame is a real big deal. Shame is, talk about security by obscurity. The thing that helps keep a lot of these boxes locked forever is the shame. It's like, if you didn't have shame about things that you hate happen to you in life, how different would you be? And just speaking for myself, if I did not have shame, I'm oftentimes about my own errors or just dumb stuff I did, but also there's things that have happened to me that I don't love thinking about, let alone talking about, let alone adjudicating in public. We all have those things. I think it could be a time you pooped yourself in junior high. Like 
I don't care. You've got it. I don't need to know what it is, but you all have it. It's the shame that it starts with the shame because the shame is where we're like, oh man, this is intolerable to me. But I think if I understand correctly what this doctor is saying, it's more that you, without you ever even having to know it, it's, yeah. Did you guys, I feel like you guys might've talked about this kind of on ATP with regard to Facebook, but like, you know, just like how we're used to sort of behaving in public and like what's considered, oh no, it was on one of the Slate podcasts. Never mind. But it, that, I, I guess what I'm saying to your point, that could be, but I suspect that what, if I understand what this guy's saying, and I very well might not, is that no, no, it's something, I don't want to say autonomic, but it's something more automatic at least where your brain knows when it's about to like really step to the big dog in this case. And, you know, it could be instead of Father O'Malley, it could be your father, father. And like, you know, and this actually, John, so goes to at least my own hangups about grit. And like I said, the like, sometimes maybe you got to take a beating for your sister. Like, oh, so where's your grit? And I am not, I don't try to do the starving African child, but I, I am saying that like, life is really, really complicated. And if, if our main way of evaluating the world and how it's going is to look at strangers and guess their motivations about stuff based on how it hues to our load-bearing walls of belief. That's maybe not, it's, it's useful in interrogating what you should be spending more time thinking about maybe or being less of a dick about. But anyway, continue about Father O'Malley. All right, well, so I, I mean, I, maybe I misread that and you're, you are actually making more of a literal uh, thing than an analogy, or an inside-out style analogy of imagine little characters in your brain or whatever, but, but either way. But your brain would... doesn't have to tell you to breathe. It does tell you to breathe, but you don't have to remember to breathe. All right. So, but what I would say about the actual Father O'Malley type situations, and and if you're ever in a situation where, you know, something bad happened to you, but you feel like, and this fear is founded, that if you said something mm -hmm. about, if you told the truth of, of your traumatic experience, you would be out of the of the group that you, you know, your 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 tribe or whatever. Uh, and in those situations, I mean, not that this helps anyone involved, but the truth of the matter is that those tribes suck. I mean, like that's, you know, like a lot, lots of tribes, all, probably all tribes have a quality like that where something bad can happen to someone who's in it, but for them to tell the truth of it essentially yeah. either breaks right, right. the tribe or makes them responsible for breaking the tribe or gets them <laughs> kicked out of the tribe. And, and those are dynamics, you know, those are dynamics that in group, if we're in any kind of tribe, we strive to not ever have those dynamics because it's terrible. Like you never want to be in that situation where it's like, well, I, if I tell, I, I agree, but like, if you want to be, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but there's, there's, there's probably been half a dozen times in the last two years when I've, I've said to myself something like, huh, I wonder whatever happened to X actress who was really popular in 1997. Right. Or, you know, you can see where I'm going with this. And it's like, on more than one occasion, I found myself going, wow, I wonder if that person got disappeared, either yeah. because of Harvey Weinstein or as a result of Harvey Weinstein. Or, or a Harvey Weinstein-like situation. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I'm, I'm saying, even if you just restrict it, like, dude, I finally got a copy of, uh, oh, the Tarantino and uh, Robert Rodriguez Grindhouse. And it's like, uh, I'm not going to say I couldn't watch it, but I didn't wasn't enjoying it. Because the whole first part of the movie is they're doing a lot of, they're having a lot of fun with the genre and, you know, Danny Trejo is really funny in the trailer and all that stuff. But then they get to like the opening sequence, which is a, a very young and very beautiful, very shapely Rose McGowan, like doing sexy stripper dancing. 
And they're having lots of fun with the Weinstein company, like logos and making them look retro. And Harvey Weinstein's name is like all over the beginning of that movie. Scott Rudin is all over what we do in the shadows. And it's like, um, but I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah, that tribe sucks. But I think uh, it's none of my business, but I think there's a reason Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't want to talk about this stuff a lot. You know, I mean, I think she's probably dealt with some shit with that guy. The, the reason I bring this up with the, with the, with the tribe sucking is uh, kind of so. Yeah, one more analogy to throw on the, on the pile here: um, the 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 GUI, the graphical user interface. The promise of the Mac GUI is you learn if you learn one program, you learn how menus work, you learn how the basics of the interface works. You can reuse those skills. Scroll balls are the same everywhere. Buttons are the same yeah. everywhere. Dialogues are the same. File, everywhere. edit, view. Men, like, menus like, are the yeah. same everywhere. Like yeah, you learn yeah. how to use these few things. Windows are the same everywhere. Like each individual application doesn't re-implement scroll bars, doesn't re-implement windows, doesn't move the closed box around, doesn't not have a menu bar or something, right? So you get to mm-hmm. reuse those skills. And I think that is also true of the situations you're describing. Like, hey, cultural changes that are happening in your lifetime, usually we hope in the situations where people who are previously had fewer rights are getting more rights as they should have, you know what I mean? And someone mm-hmm. is upset about it because it upsets the natural order of them being on top, Right. Once you've sort of been through that a couple of rounds, whatever it may be, you know, black people want to be free and not slaves. Oh, what a scandal. Oh, they we want anyone to be able to vote, even women. It's ridiculous. You know, like whatever the it thing goes, is. It, but it goes all the way. It's like the Pessimist Archive stuff of like when the Walkman came out, the prediction was that there was going to be a massive increase in the number of traffic deaths because that was the quickest FUD that people could come up with about what to be worried yeah. about or, or, or women, women on bicycles is going to be the end yeah, of the world. Right. Or the like, novel. you know, if you go, yeah. Yeah. If you do the swing goes over, you'll be inside out. Women can't be on a train. There's <laughs> mm-hmm. like, there's innumerable examples, video games, pregnant, pregnant women can't fly. <laughs> All of these are things that, and, and even if you meant that with a good heart, I mean, although increasingly I tend to believe it's ways to keep women, you know, yeah. out of the job market usually, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. So these these cultural phenomena, specifically the cultural phenomenon, like when you've mm-hmm. been yeah. through one or two of those, it helps. Yeah, I've, I seen, feel I've like, seen this movie before. <laughs> yeah, it helps you get a handle on the next one. So I, you know, in in my earlier childhood, went through the whole thing about you know, hey, gay people exist, and we're allowed to talk about it, and we talk about homosexuality in health class, and we talk about AIDS, and um, we talk we demystify sex, and gay marriage is so clearly a thing that that should exist. No, not civil unions, because you know, like the the whole the whole you know. Go through that as a kid. And then, Separate but equal. Yeah. And then, so uh, one of the things I learned as part of learning about that in my younger years is how, despite all the things, you know, all the young people all agree, you know, it's fine and, and gay people should allowed to marry and these old fuddy duddies or whatever. Still, everyone who was growing up with me, my, my peers or whatever, still existed in a culture that just hated and marginalized gay people. To, to a first approximation, especially in the United States, despite all the yeah. young people agreeing that it's terrible or whatever, we didn't run the world. I would not have described myself that way, but you would not know it from my behavior. I said awful, awful things. No, I mean, yeah, exactly. It was, in, it was still in the vernacular of all the kids to say all these terrible slurs and, you know, make fun of boys for being gay and all that stuff. And like, despite the fact that we were learning, and of course, with intellectually. So anyway, the whole point is people were growing up in this environment and this environment, the the environment of oppression and prejudice, right? so profoundly affected everyone who actually was gay and who was my peers growing up that it could not it could not help shape who they were as people 
And so there are aspects of what I, you know, came to know as gay culture mm-hmm. that exist because the culture is a culture that is sort of grown up in oppression. And it, it made me think of the, you know, especially the, if you came of age in the 80s. Yeah, it made me think of, you know, of the uh, the I had to look this up because I didn't know this name, but um, uh, the Abram Wald thing. Uh, I put a link in show notes because you probably don't know the name either. But as soon as you go to the Wikipedia mm-hmm. page you, and scroll down to you see the graphic, you will know it immediately. Right. OK. Is it, okay, clicking. Scroll down to see the, the airplane. Do you know that? Oh, oh, no. To describe this. This is really interesting. So this is this is kind of a meme. Uh, a lot of people have caught on to this thing or whatever. The, the story is, God, hmm, this is really like this. a rock on line thing. We're so many levels deep. I hope someone's taking notes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the story is that uh, I'm not even going to read all the Wikipedia page. I'm going to do it from memory. Uh, planes coming back from <laughs> World War II, uh, they're like riddled with bullet holes. And like the, the job of some person was like, let's figure out where we have to put extra armor on these planes so to protect the the crew members. Um, and the the sort of uh, dummy way to do it is to say, well, I'll just look where all the bullet holes are. And wherever the bullet holes are, that's where I'll put the armor because obviously that's where the planes get hit all the time, right? Uh, but Seems the, smart, yeah. the smart person, Abram Wald, said, well, no, that would be stupid. Um it's the planes that don't come back that we care about. If a plane comes back with a thousand bullet holes in it, we should put armor where the bullet holes aren't because obviously it's okay for the mm-hmm. plane to get hit in all the areas where the bullet holes are because that plane came home and it landed safely. So why would you put armor on the places where we don't care whether a bullet hits there? It's the other places oh where gosh, there are no that's bullet really holes good. where we should put the armor because obviously the planes that got hit here didn't make it back. They blew up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is often used in an analogy within marginalized communities to say a lot of the aspects of the culture of insert marginalized community here. Oh, I see. Like to, to give an example, to, to, to give a stereotypical example of and you see it in, in, in modern culture. A- AIDS, the effect of AIDS in theater in New York. Think of it this way. Like how often have you seen in a movie someone who has a gay friend who's sassy and tough and self-confident and really telling people, encouraging the the cis female lead of the movie, right? To just sort mm-hmm. of like sort of the irrepressible, you know, extremely, you know, enthusiastic, fierce, strong gay person, right? Yeah. Why is that a stereotypical aspect of gay culture? Is it because being gay immediately makes you sassy and fierce? No, <laughs> it's the bullet hole theory, right? How do you survive as a gay right. person growing up in the 80s? How do you make it to adulthood successfully right. without, right. you know, just consuming yourself and, you know, and just like, because every part of the society you're growing up in is telling you, you're bad, you're wrong, you shouldn't exist, you shouldn't feel these things, all culture is not made for you, you are not a participant in our society, we would like it better if you didn't exist and just hide yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. And the people who you see out in the world being openly gay in the 70s and 80s are the people who like essentially where the bullets you know didn't hit right like these these are the people who who made it back to base right these are the people who survived right. that like you don't hear from the other ones because they were essentially crushed under the mountain of this and they're saying i'm not sticking my head out i know what's going to happen to me if i stick my head out and so the ones that you do see are the ones who have either either are naturally like this or have had to become like this to refuse to hide themselves and hate themselves. And so they're out and they're proud. And that's why it's called pride because those are the people. Is that, is that, right. are I'm, all, not, I'm not ashamed. I'm, yeah. I'm publicly telling you I'm not ashamed of are who I am. Are all gay people like that? Are there no gay introverts? Of course not. But the ones you see, like, it, like it's, it's the harsh, the harsh environment in which they, they are forced to exist that causes this and also causes 
all of the traumas that you can imagine seeing people who are in marginalized mm -hmm. communities. Hey, why do people in marginalized communities have all these mental health problems? Maybe something about being homosexual gives you mental health problems. No, it's mm -hmm. the society full of people that hates gay people that gives them mental health problems. Right. It's not. I mean, and then even setting aside like that in some communities, it's considered so much more okay to ask for help or to ask for, you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's that, that uh, I think I always think of Alison Agosti, but lots of women have made this joke, things guys will do rather than just go to therapy. It's kind of, you just look at Elon Musk and you're like, dude, like you need a friend. Like you need somebody to talk to. You need somebody who can tell you there's shaving cream on your jowl because your whole life is jowly shaving cream. Like you're such a goddamn trash fire, but nobody around you is empowered to like, like give you a hand. And like the, in some communities, if you're feeling, you know, and again, I'm watching Dope Sick, which has certainly had a, a huge effect on me, but like, you know, it's not okay to go out and, and ask for for help. Like maybe one reason you're diagnosed with a mental problem is because you had the presence of mind to go get some help. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the, the Elon Musk is a great example that even white cis male billionaires are affected and damaged by the, the dominant toxic culture of their, you know, the, the, the place where they exist in society. And they're at the top of society. They're at the very, very top white cis male billionaire. Surely there's nothing about the culture that they grew up with and causes them damage. Nope. There's still little tiny bits, which is essentially toxic masculinity, which is causing Elon Musk to be a dick. Right. But mm -hmm. imagine for communities that are actually marginalized, who are not white, oh, yeah. cis billionaire males. Right. They have so much stuff stacked against them. Right. That it can't help but shape who they are. And and it's not it, it, all those qualities you see are not attributable in any way to them being gay. If they were on a desert island and they were gay. They would not be like they are because they wouldn't be forced to live in a world where everything and everyone is against them. Same thing right. for transgender stuff, right? Oh, transgender people, they have all sorts of problems and difficulties and high suicide rates. Boy, being transgender must be real difficult. Being transgender is not difficult. Being transgender in a society no. that hates transgender people, that's difficult. And the people doing that are not the transgender people. It's everyone else. Life is difficult for any plane that frequently gets shot at. Yeah, I, I, all I was saying with with the with the bullet holes thing is like when you see someone of of, of a, see someone of a marginalized community and they exhibit traits, you it's probably safe to assume that a lots of people in that community don't have those traits, but you just don't hear about them. Your whole life we've told you you're really weird, and now you turned out really weird. That's weird. Yeah, and yeah, and and B, a lot of those traits are attributable to to the trauma that we as people outside mm -hmm. of that community have inflicted upon them. And totally. so don't try to attribute that to whatever it is that you think that you don't like about them. Oh, it's because you're transgender that you have problem X. No, <laughs> like they're not the ones with the problem. Everyone else is. Um, and so I felt like it, seeing that happen with, you know, with gay people has helped understand the transgender thing so much more and help sort mm -hmm. of, you know, deal with <laughs> yeah, the BS. Okay, yeah, yeah. Another way to put that is like if you never made your peace as a human being with the rights of people whose sexual orientation is different than yours, woof is gender ever going to be a, a big ask <laughs> yeah and so and like getting back to the young people thing like the way young people deal with gender it's so much uh you know so so much more uh accepting than anyone in our generation ever was but and yet those people those young people are still subject to the world that we have made yeah. for them which sucks yeah. uh, and so every part of the culture and society and the media they consume is not friendly to who they are as people uh, are not friendly to the idea that the gender binary is still massively dominant. And so as, as open as young people may be, they are forced to grow up in a world that is not open to that. And that necessarily will like, 
it's you know it's good that they're able to talk about and express their gender better but it's bad that now they have to do that in a world that still hates them right yeah and so they yeah. ha- that's that when you see kids like of whatever age whether it's middle school or high school you know if, if you are a parent of a child of this age and you live somewhere where this is not cr- you know crushed under the boot heel of some idiotic you know terrible dominant local culture right <laughs> the, what you will what you will see they is we don't call it that but. yeah what what you will see is like hey you know when i was in middle school i didn't know a single person who was talking about gender or questioning it but it seems like in my kids class everyone is talking about their gender and questioning and figuring out world is going to hell in a handbasket right right it must be something these kids, di- these kids can't even rely on the most basic truth and reality of the world. Right. Like they, you know, it must their, be something that's, wrong, such a pudding. With, that's yeah. wrong with society today or that's wrong with kids today. Because, and you know why? Because all the gays and the transes, they're always recruiting and they're, they're bringing in these poor children. <laughs> right. When I was a kid, there were no gay people in my high school class. Gay men, they, they, they might love kids, but I would not say that like spending a ton more time with young people isn't one of their favorite things necessarily. Yeah. And so it's, it's sort of, it's a, uh, fundamental misunderstanding of what's happening when people look upon that and say this is a problem because look at this when i was a kid there was no gay people in my high school class and there were certainly no transgender people and now all of a sudden it seems like half the kids in my kid's school are gay or transgender or questioning their gender something is breaking down in society where they can't and and by the way a lot of these kids have mental health problems so it shows that everything's going going to hell in hand exactly but but also john and i, I don't want to tell on myself too much here but it also is funny that even when, and again, we're all growing. We're all, I like to think we're all doing our best in a given day. We're all, we're all trying to grow, but then it is, it is also funny where there is like, there is a certain amount of understood eye rolling about these kids today and their gender wackiness. And, you know, it's, but what's interesting about like, well, why is that a, such a big deal? Like, what, what are you, so your kid is interested in in either playing with gender or thinking about gender or like hasn't landed on what their thing is and may never land on the thing. See also Judith Butler. But like, why is that such a problem? Like really, like tell me with mouth words, adult mouth words, tell me why that is such a huge problem for you. Is it a please think of the children thing? I mean, because I think a lot of it is that it, it, it just, it's at odds with your idea about what makes human beings valuable. And, but you can't really say that. And the other aspect of it, like I was getting about with the with the bullet holes thing is part of the reason that it is a struggle and thing that kids have to struggle with is because they know intellectually and in their, you know, in their heart of hearts that if what they're not feeling is not one of the accepted binary points, there is a great struggle to say, but I don't want to be different from everybody in the tribe and hated by everybody. And I know clearly everything I've ever consumed in my entire life has told me don't be this because we don't want this. And if I feel like I'm that, now I have an internal struggle and now I have to deal yeah. with it and fret over it and struggle. Why is there all the struggle? I never had to struggle to know that that I was who I am, right? Yeah, because it's just adding, on, adding levels of complexity to something that's already it, it makes so it difficult. difficult. Again, yeah, if, these, totally. if these kids yeah. were on a desert island, they would not spend seven years having a long dark night of the soul debating their gender. They would they, just they be who they were. The puzzle. They mm-hmm. would just be who they were because they wouldn't know that who they were, there was anything wrong with that. But they, but that's not the case. And so there is this period of time where modern kids, real, you know, they're they're progressive enough to say, okay, this is a thing that we're going to talk about. And I know that it exists. But on the other hand, the whole world is still against me. And so I don't want to be the thing that is not 
one of the easy things to be that everyone just accepts, right? And so there's this terrible mm-hmm. struggle that leads to all of the problems you see, all the all the mental health issues, all of the bullying, the abuse, the trauma. Yeah, yeah. The system, the system that we've set up or accepted for our entire life is really screwing with your head right now. That must be a bummer for you. Yeah. And it's kind of the same way like when I was a kid that there was the whole dichotomy of being in the closet versus out. And a lot of the there was a position that's like, look, being in the closet is better because then you don't have to deal with the you don't have to deal with all of the consequences of being out. And in fact, being in the closet to yourself, being in complete denial, like a Republican or something, like maybe that's even better because then you don't have to deal with any of it. It can just be your secret internal life and you'll lead a happy life and you'll never Admit to anyone, yeah. including yourself, that you you're can, gay. You can rake in all that money and still get more tail than Sinatra. Right. You'll, you'll occasionally have sex with men, but it's not like you're gay or anything, and you never tell anybody about it. No, you're not gay. You're a Republican. Come on. Yeah. And so... And that's that's the terrible thing that a that that a, that our, a stupid tribe does, that there, if there's a society that doesn't accept this, even if the young kids realize, well, I'm not going to be like those old fuddy daddies where we acknowledge this is a thing and we're going to talk about it. Still, these kids grow up in a world that is not accepting of them and they have to now struggle with this. And then we as adults look at it and say, oh, these kids are struggling with their gender. I never struggle with my gender. I don't want my kids to have that struggle. Something is wrong with the world. Right. And then their solution is to like, let's just go back to my fantasy version of the world and continue to oppress people. Anyway, I'm, I got a little ranty, but why can't we all just agree on who we should pretend to be? There's a whole, there's a whole, uh, you know, political party for that if you want it. 